What's up, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> what an excellent start to our podcast career. <laughs> let's uh, let's give that another try. Go for it. Hello, everybody. My name is Dave Thomas. And this is Brian Pritz. And this is our first episode of The Business of Lifting Weights. Today, we are going to talk about three things that we've learned from running a gym for the past five years. We're going to be talking about this from an operations perspective. So this will be dedicated towards any gym owners out there, aspiring gym owners, or pretty much anybody that's just interested in the business aspect of fitness. Um, So before we get into all that, I feel like we should kind of talk maybe a little bit about who the hell we are. Maybe. Um, So my name is Dave Thomas, and this is Brian Pritz. Hi. Uh, we are owners of Performance 360 in San Diego. Um, a little bit of backstory on us. We opened up in 2011, uh, opened up in an 1,800-square-foot building. Uh, started out with no members, kind of like every other gym. Uh, by 2013, two years later, we had 427 members. Uh, one year after that, in 2014, we opened up a second location. Uh, by 2016, today, we have 583 members. 585 now. As of today. There you go. Two more joined. Uh, This is in a town of under 47,000 people, and this is in the highly competitive market of San Diego. Um, Just to talk about exactly what we mean when we say highly competitive, this is what our current gym looks at each day. Right down the road, we have both Invictus locations. In our town, we have three. Did you know this, Pritz? Three CrossFit gyms within one mile of each other. Uh, I didn't know yeah. that specific, but three, there's three now there's a 24 hour fitness. There's a shock fitness and there's a crunch fitness all opened up within one half mile of our gym. This is all in a town, like I said, of under 47,000 people. So I'm very proud of where we're at with the 583 member mark. But at the same time, I pretty much just live in constant anxiety. What can we do to hold off the market? Yep. Um, what can we do to always improve and make sure that we are the best gym in this area? Because I firmly believe that we are. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what we've done within the framework of that. Um, we have held pretty much every responsibility within the gym. Like I know a lot of you gym owners listening, we've worn all the hats we've programmed, we've coached, we answer emails, we restock cups, uh, we sweep the gym, tested a lot of different marketing strategies. Yeah. Um, pretty much everything out there. Pritz, you had a little sleep over there one time when there was a, a leak in the gym. Uh, it was a big leak. Yeah. <laughs> I slept overnight there pumping water uh, every half hour. So Yeah, so we've we've pretty much had to handle everything. So what does all that resume listing mean? Honestly, absolutely nothing. Uh, this is just going to be our experiences from the trenches of owning a gym. Um, basically, just we what we have seen to succeed or what we have seen to fail. We're going to pass that along to you for your business, and hopefully it can offer you something uh, to improve the way that you run your gym. Um And one of the things we're excited to kind of talk about is also kind of shed some light on like what the role of a gym owner is. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we get into that, the topics that we will specifically be covering today are going to be quality versus quantity. Uh, The difference between the two, we're going to talk about why we don't really personally have any friends in this fitness industry. Uh Um, And then we're going to talk about hard decisions as you grow, uh, when you make them and how they affect the community. Uh, But first, let's talk a little bit about owning a gym. What do you think people's perception of it is? Uh, I think most people just think that we go to a class a day, do the workout, and the rest of the day we're just kind of chilling. I'm positive that people think my role is to like film people three times a day working <laughs> out. 
but nothing could be further from the truth. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of you kind of nodding on the other end of this if you own a gym. Um, you know, it's, it's, a gr- it's a grind. It's the most fun I've ever had in my life. I love being busy. I've learned that it's not a good thing, but I am addicted to working. Me too. Um, but it is a grind. You're looking at, you know, for me personally, I'm up at 7 pretty much every day. Um, and I'm generally working just about nonstop until about 10 or 11 PM. Um, and that's not an exaggeration that really legitimately is nonstop. Yeah. Um, I might stop for three or four cups of coffee a day. Um, (laughs) but there's just always so much to be done. Um, from just, you know, now we have two facilities, so there's, there's supplies, things that are needed at both. There's our, our large membership base. There's the constant improvements that we're making. There's continuing education, for myself and our staff, it's just, it's kind of never ending. And learning how to start a podcast. Yes. And then we took this nice responsibility <laughs> on, which has consumed pretty much every hour of this week. Yep. But it's like you said, it's fun. Yes. Um, so I think I'm, I'm kind of excited to just kind of share a little bit of behind the scenes stuff. Um, even if we might have some members who are listening to this episode, um, I think it'll be cool for them just to kind of know like what we do, where their money goes every day. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people, I think, or for me, have asked about specific responsibilities and what we do. Um, and anytime anybody asks something, there's always more that wonder the same thing that just don't ask. So. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I remember when we first started out, we would always say like, you know, we're not going to be this busy in five years. Like, yep. you know, we'll get to the point where it's like running itself and then we'll be fine. And like, that just doesn't fucking happen. Yeah. I mean, definitely it runs itself a little bit better than it used to for sure. But that doesn't mean that we're not spending the same amount of time. I'd say probably now spending more time than we did, but yeah, it's funny. Like as we've grown, I feel like our gym has gotten just exponentially better. Yeah. Um, it's funny because you deal with like the, you know, you have, you have members that have been with you four or five years. So they've been through a lot. It's like, they've seen every adjustment that you've made in the gym. They've seen every change. You know, we think most change is improvement, but some people see change as a negative. So it's always just dealing with the perception of like changing, improving for the better and having people kind of not freak out about it. Yep. Um, And also along the lines of just as you get bigger, that quality has to continue to improve. And that's like really what I'm personally excited to kind of talk about today is the notion of quality versus quantity. Um, We were listening to that podcast the other day, uh, the gentleman who was talking about the 200 member mark. Yep. And he was saying that, you know, he wasn't comfortable taking his gym past 200 members because his, his quality would suffer. And he talked about how, you know, he knows all of his gym members' names. He knows where, his kid, where their kids go to school, what they do for work, um, which is all awesome. But, like, who cares? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's that it's that mistake that I think a lot of people get into that like the gym is not about you, bro. You know what I mean? It's not about like you having your pulse on every single thing in the gym. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's one of the things that really irks me is this whole, like, you know, if you have a large membership, then like you must be like one size fits all like crappy programming or like selling out or something. Yeah. And I, you know, when I feel like our gym is double or triple the membership of a lot and I, I, I can comfortably make the assertion that I think the quality of what we do is better than most gyms out there in the country. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of like you were talking about the quality now from where it was when we were, you know, at a hundred members is just way better. 
Yeah, it's like we used to like I look back at some of the things we used to do and it's almost cringeworthy like the <laughs> the, the way that we ran it because we we had so many people in this small space, you know, growing actually enables us to take a step back and do things much more properly. Yeah. Because we point. had the space and the time. But we would do like forty five minute class slots, like just get in, get out, like awful, awful, almost non existent, like warm ups and cool downs. Um, we didn't have like any of the program deviations that we mm-hmm. have today. Um, it was awesome. It was like some of the best times like of my life being in the small mission beach gym, but we just didn't do things that well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we just didn't. And I, like I can, I'm comfortable looking back on that and saying that like, there was a lot of areas where we did really good job and there's a lot of areas where we just did a shit job. Um, and I don't think quality versus quantity is tied to any number. The, the point here is that those two things, quality and quantity, they are not mutually exclusive. Like there's this prevailing thought that as you get bigger, you know, one has to fall by the wayside and you mm-hmm. have to choose which route you want to go. I right. say fucking choose both and just work your ass off providing higher quality as you get to a higher quantity. Because a wonderful thing happens when you have great quality, your quantity goes up. Yeah, weird how that works. Um, but it is a huge challenge, um, maintaining that, that quality of your workouts, making sure that they can deviate for beginners, for advanced folks. Everybody has to be able to progress at their own level. Also for injuries, if people are working on mobility issues, Mm -hmm. you have to provide all that within the confines of one workout. And that, you know, that's a good point that almost forced us to take on that responsibility of getting better because as you get more members through the door, you have a more diverse group of people that need more out of that training. So um, kind of growing forced us to get better. Yeah. And it's like, if you're able, like what I mean by like, it's not about you, bro, is like saying that like, you're not going to take your gym past a certain number. Like that is, that's just an ego based decision. That's holding yourself back because you feel like you have to be in the mix of every single thing going on. Yeah. And like, I totally get that. I remember when we first opened and it was just you and I, or you and I and like Elise, yeah. like way back in the day, like that was really cool. Like we were there all the time. We knew very well, every person in the gym, kind of exactly what that guy was talking about. Right. And I totally agree with all that. That's a blast. But yeah, like, that was great. Really at the end of the day, that just feeds your own, your own ego. Um, you know, you've said before that it's like fitness comes first, community comes second. Mm-hmm. So just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, exactly what you said. It's always about fitness first, community second. So, um, you know, that entire kind of dedication is to providing the best possible training. Um, If you're focusing on community, uh, you know, every there's a million gyms out there. They all probably have great communities with great people. Um, but how are you going to go beyond that community and right. provide more mm-hmm. um, than just a community? So. Yeah, and like, what do you think some of the ways that we're doing that are? Uh, Well, number one is the programming. Um, The programming is, you know, for those of you guys that don't know a lot about Dave, he's the best programmer I've ever seen. Um, So I feel weird now. Yeah, that's one of the things I really like to do is make Dave feel real awkward by just talking (laughs) about him. Um, I like compliments. But yeah, you know, programming is, is huge. Our programming is so much better than it used to be. Um, another big thing is the coaches that you hire and that we've hired. I mean, you know, the staff that we've brought on board are just some of the smartest people I've ever met. Um, every time we have our breakfast club meetings, basically our coaches meetings, I learned so much new stuff in those. It, it's, it, it's ridiculous. Insane. Like w- smart. I'm straight people. up out in a lot of different areas by, 
by multiple staff members. And that's a good point. Multiple different areas. You need to bring people together that uh, specialize or have knowledge that maybe you don't. Um, Absolutely. To kind of create a very well-rounded program. And I think that's like a pitfall that I see quite a bit is like not wanting people not wanting to hire people that are smarter than them. Yeah. And it's like that, you know, that's an easy decision to make based out of insecurities. Um, I'm a, a confident person. I'm confident in my knowledge and my abilities to run a gym. But at the same time, like there's many areas where I don't know much about. And you have to be hiring people that come in that fill those holes and that just you create a well-rounded puzzle of just people with like killer knowledge in, in super specific areas. Yeah. And you look at our coaching staff, it's like there's nothing that we don't have knowledge about as a coaching staff. It's crazy. And I would highly encourage gym owners out there to really take a step back and not hire replications of yourself. Yep. Really just bring people out there who are going to improve your programming, who are going to make you smarter, who are going to make your members better in areas that you currently can't do, or maybe that you don't do very well. Um, if you're just hiring people that like are just, you know, mirror images of what you're already doing, um, I'm sure you're awesome, but you're, you're not going to get much better than that. You might run it as well as you're running it, but you're never going to get better that Very way. Very one-dimensional. Exactly. Um, and that's really been a point of emphasis for us as we've gotten bigger is making sure that we continue to hire people that are smarter than us in one specific area. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just been an awesome improvement to see. It's been awesome to see the members dig it and just really have people kind of follow their own route in the gym of like whose classes they really love taking because they learn X, Y, and Z from them. Everybody kind of has their own communication style. So I think it's just been a huge improvement for us over the last year or so in that regard. And not only knowledge, but just the way that you do communicate that knowledge to people. So I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, you know, I've been, you know, going here for six months or whatever. And, you know, I knew how to do squats or I knew how to do this, but just hearing another coach phrase it in a different way or coach it in a slightly different way kind of clicked with me. And yeah. a lot of people click with their different personalities. So I think that's huge too. Yeah. Um, and I finally figured out why you saying I was a really good programmer made me feel awkward. Why? Um, it's cause I don't really do anything sweet. I just program <laughs> like very basic stuff in proper formatting across multiple levels. There's you, really like no magic to it. You mean you do what works? Yeah. Common sense really. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, it's funny, like going back to the discussion of like, you know, the smaller gyms that, that preach like quality cause we're small. Like, I just think that's such a bullshit cop out. Absolutely. And it's like, these are the same gyms that are doing like the secret squirrel programming mm -hmm. where if you're listening and you don't know what that is, it's where like members will have their own private programming like that a coach will do that this member will do in the confines of a regular class. So like, you know, P360 members, if you're listening, that would be like somebody in like your 5.30 p.m. class, like doing their own workout at a squat rack that like you couldn't do. Like in the middle of the class, like doing stuff that like they thought that they were better than. <laughs> yeah, what, what kind of messages does that send to those people in the class? Yeah, and it's like you're on one end of your mouth, you're talking about how quality makes you small, yet you can't write a workout that continues to progress people across all levels past 200 members. Yeah, that's crazy. So like you're a, a very bad business owner and an even worse programmer. And yeah. that offends me, sir. <laughs> um, so it's like, I understand that. Um, and then they talk about like an, an upcharge for that. 
how it's like you then make more money as a gym because you're upcharging better workouts. And I just cannot get behind that for a single second. Not at all. Like your best product needs to be put forward on that board for your members every single day. There needs to be nothing that's better than what you're putting on the board for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's another pet peeve of mine is like when, you know, owners or or people won't even follow the programming that they're writing for people. Yeah. I I was just thinking about that. You know, you watch Instagram videos and all these videos online of basically coaches doing entirely different programming than they're telling their members to do. Um, which again, that just sets like a terrible example. That's just saying that what you're writing for them is not good enough for you. Yeah. So if you, if you know, gym owners that are listening and you're doing that, like I'm sure that that hopefully you didn't click out and exit this podcast, but, um, (laughs) It's just not, it's not smart. It's not, it's not, it's how you alienate people and it's how you make people think your programming is inferior because those people that are taking the class are going to then say, well, so I'm not good enough to get that programming. Like, why am I getting the JV version of the workout? Yeah. Um, and it just doesn't work. Um, my advice to be, would be if you have members in the gym that think you're above it, kick them out. Yeah. Give them the boot, invite them to leave. Yeah. Um, have them go somewhere else, have them go to 24 hour and do their own thing or have them go to another gym. That's going to cater to their ego thinking that they're better than what you know that you can write for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll be kind of touched on a little bit later in the hard decisions part. But, um, you know, like I said, in terms of quality, it all boils down to what goes up on the board every day and the person that's leading what's on the board. So it's pretty much just two aspects of it. And that workout, it needs to be able to deviate left and right. It also needs to be able to deviate north and south so that it really is one workout, but it can be tweaked and customized for goals, levels, injuries, mobility, pretty much anything. Yeah. Um, I'm a big believer in that. Like quality training is a scalable endeavor. It doesn't mean at 150 your training is any less scalable for level than at 400. At 400, it doesn't differ to 600. It's just more people that happen to be doing it. Right. So, um, yeah, I would love to, I'd love to see people let go of that notion. And like, I also like for a lot of the places that, you know, build the, build their brand and build their business on, like, we have really small workouts. I would be aware of that. Um, number one, like I personally find like working out with five or six people like boring as hell. Yeah. Real boring. But you also pigeonhole yourself to never grow past that. What are you going to do if you grow your gym on, you know, we only cap at 10 people and you start to get demand for more than that. Are you going to stay at 10 people? Right. Um, no, no, you're not. So don't even make that claim because it's not fair to your business and people shouldn't have the inherent right to work out with a small amount of people like that. They should have the inherent right to quality workouts and quality instructions. Uh, but they don't have a right to small, small class sizes that affect your business. Yeah. And that, you know, this just popped into my head too. Um, you know, you have these, all that focus should be on those workouts and that programming. Um, one thing that I've seen at a few gyms is they'll rotate coaches that write workouts for a month. So, um, you know, John will write this month's programming and then uh, Melissa will write next month's programming. And it's like, you, you're not, you're no longer following a long-term higher progression. Um, you've just basically got a month of kind of random workouts and then a, a month of new random workouts. So like there's, there's no kind of overall goal and ongoing theme with those. Yeah, absolutely. It's just kind of scattered. And I totally get that because, you know, you want to engage your staff and you want to make them feel like they have ownership of it. 
But I think the better thing to do, and it's one of the practices we've used at Performance 360, is give coaches ownership of a specialty class. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, they're going to put their heart and soul into it, and they're going to produce a much better product than you could having to program 20 other classes. Yeah. And I've seen that. Yeah. Um, all of our coaches, like w- once we handed over that programming, like I was smoked by what they put together. Yeah, it's been because, awesome. Because like – you can't you can't do so much like i said it goes back to ego you got to hire people that might have a little more knowledge in you in certain areas like we just handed barbell something i've programmed for four years over to brenna like guess what brenna's a more knowledgeable lifter than me yeah like straight up um she's you know a competitive power lifter she's earned elite raw status um which that highly impresses me of course but that's not what would constitute me handing somebody programming over yeah good i want to first know that you know how to program not just know how to follow programming yeah um and she absolutely does so she got that job um same thing with everybody else like with Caitlin on the shred stuff chris on the muscle will on his kettlebell stuff julianne on mobility and yoga um you know like will is a strong first fsg like hey here's a great idea let's hand him kettlebell programming <laughs> so it's like you know, you get people in there that are, are really qualified for stuff and you let them just totally own it and you stay the fuck out of the way. Yeah. Um, and that's how you get quality. Um, quality has nothing to do with a number and everything to do with how you run your operations. And if your operations are not scaled to increase, quality and quantity should be kind of tied together. As they go up, they both improve. Mm-hmm. So they're interconnected and they both improve. Um, and that's what I firmly believe. Yeah. Yeah. Right on the head, nailed it. Um, but it's just hard because it's like, you know, one of the things that we've kind of learned is like we, we do things very differently at our gym. Um, you know, we – who are we? You know, we're like the lost child of fitness. Like right. we, don't, we don't have really many friends. Um, you know, we're not a CrossFit gym. We're not a kettlebell gym. We're not an Olympic weightlifting gym, powerlifting gym. We do all that stuff. Um, we're just an independent strength and conditioning gym. So one of the things that that's benefited, the reasons that's benefited us is because it's kind of focused, it's like a little bit of the chip on the shoulder syndrome where it's like you against the world, so yeah. you're competing against everybody. Yeah. Um, but we've also just seen that not, you know, not formally fitting into any circles. I think we've been able to see that we, that's kind of for a reason, we don't really fit in with, with many circles. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, we don't have any friends is what I'm trying to get at. It's because I think I take really large issue with how a lot of the fitness industry kind of handles their, the representation of themselves and how they go about building their business or building like, here's my, one of my least favorite terms, like your personal brand. Yep. Um, I think you should have one brand, you, the gym, your members, everything. It exists together. Like there's no multi multi facets within that. Yep. It's all one. Um, and I would know that a lot of like experts might disagree with me on that but again this is just my experience with it um and and what i feel and i would just love to see more people in the fitness industry like take less of a i'm reinventing the wheel and like this is my program that i'm championing right like this is so much better than what's out there right like none of this shit is new (laughs) like lifting weights quickly is not fucking new kettlebells are not new powerlifting is not new weightlifting is not new these are all things that have existed forever so i think we should just kind of drop the notion of like planting your flag i was here first um and focus on doing things properly and, and growing your business yeah um and it's like it, I'll just 
I, you know, I spend a lot of time on social media, um, which I think every business owner should. You have to see what your members are doing, what other places are doing. It's a great to get good articles on there, um, but you're also exposed to just a lot of annoying shit. Really annoying shit. Um, and, you know, I'll just see, like, this constant effort of, like, fitness people, like, trying to impress other fitness people and trying to make virtual internet friends like around the country. And my question is why it's almost like a self-esteem issue. It's like you want that pat on the back from other fitness people so that you think like, Oh, I'm, I'm doing a good job. And I get it. Like there's a human tendency to fit in with your peers. And yeah. if you own, a, a, if you own a fitness business, you're not evaluated from anybody other than your members. Right. So it's like, there's that desire to fit in, but like I would love to see people focused more on impressing and approval from the people that have hired them and more from like so-called like self-proclaimed like fitness expert. Instagrammers. Because I got to tell you, a lot of these people that, you know, are fitness experts and that are taking these like hardline stances that they're so much smarter than everything out there, their businesses aren't doing very well. Yeah. Like I see who's in the gyms and I follow the gyms and like they might have amazing programming but they just can't get out of their own way because they're too obsessed with like, <clears throat> you know, drooling over their own. This is my program. It's so much better. I'm so much smarter. And like, you know, maybe dumb that down the message of it and get some people in your door. There's actually one example that I can think of over and over again. It's a, it's a gym I follow on Instagram and according to their Instagram page or what you would see, they have one member, the gym owner who is, posting videos of himself lifting every single day killing it and that it, yeah i mean you know he's strong that's great but that's all he posts every single day there's not one thing about his members his gym anything like that it's himself yeah it's just like again it's all the wrong focus it's this neglect of like the community that's in, within your doors that are paying your bills you know just to be like cool and try and like sit at a cooler table in the cafeteria yeah like what do those members think about that page and what he posts. It's like, yeah, cool. Look at me. Yeah. And it's like, obviously you have to build like your personal, you have to build your expertise and like your personal, um, perception. Of course you have to do that. But I, it's just, I just see so much of like too many people focused on networking, mm -hmm. too many people focused on like other, other gym owners or fitness minds like thinking that they're cool mm -hmm. and I just hate that shit it's never interested me once like we never opened this gym with the idea to get ourselves like personally famous yep it's just the if you're opening a gym or you're running a gym with the idea to like be famous like you're you're doing it for the wrong reasons and you're not going to succeed because you need to pour all your efforts into your members and into your community and having those be the people that you impress not geeks on the internet that you're never going to meet. Yeah. And your members will see right through that too. Yeah. And it's like, it, it just goes back to like, I, I understand it completely. Like I just made a statement that a lot of people probably thought was insane with like, don't network. Yeah. But I'm a very awkward, socially anxious person around strangers. <laughs> and I just, I don't like it like straight up. I'm not comfortable. Um, and so I've never, I've never been a big networker. Um, and I, I'm on the, the, I would say the poor end of that. So I think people should obviously do some of that stuff, but it just becomes too much of an obsession. Like I say, block that shit out and yeah. get tunnel vision for what you're doing. Tunnel I'm, vision for growing your database, helping your members. I mean, can you think of any situation where we've had any sort of like 
networking relationship that has produced members or like given us some sort of like actual not, real not result. Yeah, not one. I'm I'm racking my brain. I can't think of anything. And there's a lot of local people in San Diego that I like respect and I'm friends with and right. I like I, I enjoy. Um, but I'm just on like the grand scheme of things like, no, I don't see how that helps my business. And like, if you're out there listening to this and you have network opportunities that help your business, take them obviously. Right. But if they don't help your business, then like stop dicking around, like trying to impress other gym owners and other people and focus on your members and focus on honing in your craft. Yeah. It's just a total waste of time. Um, and it's like, it, it all just goes back into that, into that <clears throat> mindset that it's like, exposure is great but like it's not everything yeah. <laughs> not everything is all about exposure like i know you get hit with hit with member <clears throat> requests all the time to like that'll help us and like get exposure and i know it's like it's super well intentioned and we appreciate it but like you're just you're, you're almost like bombarded with them sometimes yeah i mean you know new requests every week to do this and meet this person and stuff like that just recently we had somebody um, you know, introduce, introduce us to a yoga teacher who is Insta famous, um, with like 50,000 followers or yeah, it's terrible. Um, with like 50,000 followers or whatever. And like you said, like we, we totally appreciate you thinking about us and wanting to help us grow the brand and expand and stuff like that. But, um, you know, like what is the point of having a outside yoga teacher come into our gym, teach a class to our members, um, and basically pushing our own yoga teacher who's a fucking badass out of the way like what what does that do for us yeah absolutely nothing and like you just touched on it right there it's like so you know yeah i'm sure we could get like her posting a yoga video and like we might get like 10 people to like our instagram page out of that but it's like i just i'm not into that shit yeah that does nothing for me yeah like what does everything for me is like you said like our current yoga teacher like working and caring fixing people's issues and like making it her life's passion, not somebody coming in for like hit it and quit it. Let me post a video so I can align myself with you and we'll like, sh we'll trade like likes. Yeah. Like <laughs> cool. kill me. Just take <laughs> me out back and kill me. Um, and like another, another, another thing I just don't get. And I would like urge any gym owners out there to not fall in fall trap to is the whole like, kind of along the same lines like l let me let me come and do this for free and my, my payment will be something on instagram or social media it's like we got hit up by a rowing coach recently who wanted to come in on a saturday morning and wanted to have their rowers practice for two hours mm -hmm. um and offered to pay me um in instagram likes oh sick and i'm like <laughs> sir like, <laughs> Instagram is not currency. I do not make money from this. I'm not going to ask my gym members to not come to open gym so that you can come in and practice and pay me on Instagram. Yeah, that's bullshit. And it just goes to this, it just goes back to like everything you do needs to be about the people who are paying you to be there. Everything. Like absolutely 100% everything mm -hmm. when it comes to that brand. Um, that's not to say you cater to everything they want to do, which we'll get into, but it sure as hell means you build that business around them and them only. Um, and it's, it just drives me nuts when I see like all these people, gym owners, fitness personalities focusing on just all the wrong things, all yeah. the wrong things. Like I, I know so many gym owners, I've never seen one video of anything that any of their members have done mm -hmm. yet. I've seen a million pictures and a million videos of stuff they've done. And 
again, that might make you famous and it might make you like really popular within the fitness community, but how many, how many people in person are you affecting and impacting? Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's frustrating. And it's, uh, you know, it just, I I think a lot of it's personality based too. Um, but it's just something that I see quite a bit in the fitness industry and seems to be problematic across that industry more than anything else. Yeah. Um, just this constant obsession with like approval and fitting in and like, I don't know, palling it up with people that you'll never, you'll never ever meet. So what's the damn point? Trainers on the other side of the country, like who cares? Yeah. And it's like, I know, I think we've hit on it enough, but takeaway from that is less attention on your peers and more attention on your members, more attention on your clients, more attention on your coaches and less attention on stuff that does has absolutely no effect on you at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, that's how you grow your business. That's how you grow a quality business. And that's how you send the right message to everybody that either works for you or pays you their hard earned money, which they often don't have very much of to continue coming to your gym. Yeah. And like I said earlier, people see through that. Um, we've actually, I can think off the top of my head, like five or six people um, over the past few months that have, come to us from other gyms that the reason that they left their other gym was because they felt like the owner or the business was too much about just making money and being popular. Um, and they wanted a place that cared about their results. That's funny that you say that because that's a hard challenge for us as we get, as we grow to keep that. Um, and it's, it kind of takes us right into our next topic of making the hard decisions. And that's one of the things that we do quite a bit Mm -hmm. is turn down money, Um, turn down money from like the wrong customers. Like I think performance 360 members might be somewhat surprised, like to hear that, that as a business, like we reject clients, reject and fire. Yeah. Like what are some of the ways that like you have had people come in the door that you've just said like, you know what, like these are, these are people that are not a fit for this gym. Uh, recently was actually a great example. Um, we had a member that referred like a group of four or five friends. They came and tried the gym. They loved it. Um, but at their current situation, they were kind of bouncing around to a lot of different programs. They were doing like Pilates, they were doing yoga, they were doing, um, you know, running and stuff like that. And they weren't fully committed to one program. Um, so they were looking for like, you know, class packs and bounce around. Yeah. Just something that wasn't, wasn't any sort of commitment, you know, they, they wanted to come in once or twice, twice a month. Um, and so for people like that, it's just, it's saying no to the quick 500 bucks. Um, because that's not a good fit for what you're trying to do. We'll talk about like why they wouldn't be a good fit. Uh, I mean, you know, imagine they show up once or twice a month and they show up to a workout with hand cleans in there. Um, you know, you've got a class of 20 people, five of them don't know a thing about hand cleans and your coach is spending all of their five time. Five members that are paying you. Five dedicated members. Yeah, I mean, they're they're paying you, but, you know, it's a very... Oh, new people. I thought you meant like five people that are your current members in the class that need the instruction, but the new people who are bouncing around are taking it. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the new people that just came in that don't know what they're doing yet, they're taking all of that coaching away from, you know, the 10 or 15 other people that are you know, your long-term members that are paying you every month for that coaching. Um, So it's just, like I said, it's saying no to that quick buck um, for something that's going to make the entire experience better for your members. Yeah, and you have to protect the experience for the members. Like, that's not to say you have, like, a a huge screening process for who can and can't join. You don't want to turn into a bunch of snobs. It's got absolutely nothing to do with level of fitness. 
It's got everything to do with work ethic and if it's something that you're going to commit to. Yeah. Like we had that other instance that one time where the girl tried the gym and was basically like as soon as she got there was basically like dictating to you how the classes and training would go based on like what she did with her personal trainer. Yeah, it was one of the more ridiculous conversations I've had with You've somebody You've had a lot of ridiculous in. conversations. <laughs> yes, I have. Um, but yeah, they came in and, you know, talking with her before class, just getting her prepped on what was going on, asking her about injuries, asking what her current program was. And um, she was like, oh, I... Which hopefully you're doing, gym owners. You're having those conversations. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but yeah, she, you know, she starts talking to me, telling me about what she's doing. And she's like, I... I have a personal trainer that I make him put me through these insane circuits every day. <laughs> and it's like I bet uh, he hated her. I know, right? Uh, but you know, do you, you see what's wrong with that? You yes. have the client paying a trainer a lot of money, and then that client telling the trainer what they're gonna do. Yeah, like, that's like walking into a mechanic shop and being like, "My brakes don't work. Can you fix them?" Cool. Okay, let me show you how you're gonna fix them, even <laughs> though I know literally nothing about this. Yeah. So it's just like. Yeah, it's ridiculous, and it's like, you know, it's funny you talk about, like, turning down $500. Like, I would have kicked myself in the balls five years ago when we opened up if, like, we would have turned down $500. I would have kicked you in the balls, too. Yeah, eating cereal three times a day (laughs) and making $20,000 for the better part of three years, like, where you're scratching and clawing. But we did that even back then, Mm -hmm. and that's something that you have to do. You have to build it the right way. You have to build it with the right people. And you have to make sure that you protect the culture and the experience of what happens when people walk into the gym. Yeah, we talked about community earlier. Um, You know, that community has to happen naturally. Um, It's got to form organically. You can't force it upon people. So you need to bring in that right group of of people that are kind of all there for the same goals. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of goes back to the point of like ego of not like inserting yourself into the mix of things all Mm -hmm. the time. Um, and not making it about you. Like when we first started, the community was centered around us. And like, honestly, like it was something I was never super comfortable with Yeah. because I, I'm much more of like, a, I have super close friends, mm-hmm. but I don't have like a ton of people that I interact with. Yeah, like me that, too. That's just me personally. And like, I was never comfortable with that. I, I'm still not comfortable with that because not only does it not fit like my strengths and weaknesses, but I don't think it's a viable way to build a business. What happens if you have to step away and you're no longer there every single day? Yeah. And that, you know, that was a big transition for us. Like when that happened, you know, a lot of people were like, Oh, you've gotten too big. Or it's almost like the band who like makes it on the radio. (laughs) It's like, you know, they've somehow like sold out, but it's like, it's not about that. Like number one, it's about my coaches rely on me for their income. Mm -hmm. So why am I going to schedule myself like a selfish prick when like I could be giving these hours to a coach? Yeah. Um, And number two, it's, we have a lot of work to do (laughs) and like we have to keep this place open. So it has nothing to do with like, we don't want to be involved so much as like, A, this isn't good for anybody and Mm -hmm. B, we can't. Like we have these responsibilities that we must take care of so that your experience continue to go on uninterrupted. Yeah, absolutely. And I think where that, you know, other hard decisions that you kind of talk about making are just like the saying no to requests and, Mm -hmm. you know, doing so in a way that like doesn't piss people off. And I'm yet to discover that method, but (laughs) I just like, it's just like, you know, you got to say no, man. Like unless something is going to improve the collective, 
the collective operations of the whole gym. Like, I don't really care if something is more convenient for you personally. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that you just shut out all requests and you're just like, no, fuck you. Like, you take those requests and you think about them. If they make sense, then you implement them. But, um, and I think that's what's, you know, been tough for us is, you know, we have our first three, four years, like, we really were very, very open to requests and to, like, suggestion box stuff. Mm-hmm. And you get a ton of good stuff out of that. But you also get some really lud- ludicrous things, <laughs> and I'm like not saying that to poke fun at it. And you just get people that are unreasonable with their requests, and they don't understand when you're you're not willing to do something for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, like we had a we had a, a lady ask us to pave our parking lot, which which we didn't own. Yeah, which the city owned, and like she got pissed like doing farmers walks because there was like cracks in the road. Yeah, and like that's a quarter million dollar project. Like what do you what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Um, so it's just, you know, it's being able to say no, um, to requests and, you know, just honestly, just kind of accepting the, the repercussions of it. Like sometimes people are just not going to be happy with the decision that you make, but you, you know, it's the right decision for the majority of gym members and it's the right decision for your business and you got to make it, or you got to just politely say, no, we're not going to do this. Yeah. And you know, like you said, or like I said earlier, you don't have to just totally shut them down. I think my advice to gym owners would be let them know that you are listening to them, um, but explain why that may not be, you know, the benefit to the gym. So how do you do that when you, when you get just, you know, how do you do that if you get something that just is repeatedly like brought to you that you're just not going to do? How do you continue to run your business uninterrupted and not take every single request, but also make people feel that way. Like you said, like they've been heard, you know, a a great example is like scheduling. Um, for a while we had people that were requesting, you know, barbell class, uh, for the morning sessions. And, you know, we tested that out. Um, we, we tested and it, it failed miserably, like doing heavy lifts at 6am in the morning. Like people didn't show up as much as we need them to. Um, so it, that one's an easy one. Cause anytime we get those requests now, it's just, you know what, totally understand that, but we've tested mm-hmm. that before and it did not work. We would love to do it again if it worked, but that's just, that's not, it, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like the extreme end of it is, you know, what, hap- what happens when somebody is so upset that their suggestion didn't get made that they then take it they're just unreasonable and they start bringing that poison into their class. Uh, you know, sometimes you have to fire them. We, we've had to do that before. And I think that's like a big one. That's like very scary for people. Um, the first time we did it, I was like, I didn't sleep that night thinking yep. about the decision. And it's like, I, I remember it. It was a person that I honestly couldn't stand personally that mm-hmm. none of our coaches could stand. Yep. And it's, there comes a point when somebody's just such a problem, uh, you know, like yelling at people for trying to share their barbell, um, just stuff like that, the shit you just cannot tolerate stuff that stuff that anybody that's part of a team or anybody that's there for, for the right reasons just wouldn't do. So, you know, when you identify that stuff, you bring it to their attention. If it continues, they're gone. And that's another thing that's tough because you're, you're getting rid of money and you're now creating a relationship that this person is not going to like you. And they're going to say bad things about your business. Yep. But, you know what? Oh, well, it's the cost of doing business. And it's the, if you don't have the stomach for that kind of stuff, if you don't have the stomach to lead and to maintain your community, 
and to say no to people then when it's the right decision, then you're not going to go very far as a gym business. Yeah, I mean, you look at that person in the class and their their actions are pissing off, you know, a group of 10 people in that class. So by getting rid of one bad worm, then you're making 10 other members happy. Yeah. Um, so absolutely. And it also like we've, we've also done it in a way that hasn't been so confrontational. And that's like instances where we've had where members have consistently been complaining about some aspect of the programming. I know that, that happened one time where somebody wanted to do pretty much all lifting all the time, yeah, which we'll never do. And um, it was more of like a, hey, I think this is no longer a fit for you you may want to consider just going somewhere else. Yeah, and you know, you can be nice about it. You can just exactly. say, you know, it's it's just not a good fit. And in that situation, you have like no ill will towards the person or anything like that, but it's a, it, it's it's the ability to identify that this is no longer a mutual fit. Mm-hmm. They're no longer interested in what you provide and you're no longer interested in providing that for them. So it's like you have to just go your separate ways. Yeah. Um, and these are all very very low percentage interactions, but they do happen. And I know every gym owner will face that or has faced that. Do I let this disruptive person who's like mean to members, who's, you know, problematic for your coaches, who's just like straight up, not a nice person, not a team person continue to interact within the confines of the gym. Um, and if you do, you're going to, you're going to give people who are great, who are paying you money, you're going to give them a worse product and you can't allow it to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's one for me that has been, I think it's definitely personally the hardest thing is like getting comfortable with like, quote, like being the bad guy yeah, and like having to say no. Um, because like, I'm going to be super honest with you. Like, I think we've gotten a ton of good stuff from suggestions, but I also think that we, we know what we're doing. And I think that we know how to um, coach people. I think we know how to run workouts. I think we know how to write workouts. Um, so it's, it's very hard for me personally to like be super receptive all the time to suggestions where I feel areas that we don't need them. Well, you know, what are some instances where you would take feedback basically? Me personally? Yeah. Um, I, scheduling is a big one. Like I'm all about creating, excuse me. I'm all about creating like very custom opportunities within the training programs. Mm-hmm. Like I think people should be able to come in with their own goals and, and essentially hit, hit workouts that fit their goals. It's mm-hmm. why we have muscle class. It's why we have barbell three times a week. It's why we have shred, kettlebell, mobility. You know, the list kind of goes on and on. So any way that we can continue to provide that for people, I'm always listening. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, you know, like you said, we've tried certain class times right. or we've tried class times that don't work. So it's like you, you always get the request, but it's like, listen, it's not because I'm not listening to you, but it's like we tried this like a couple years ago prior to your membership and it failed miserably. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, that that's a challenge and how you just how you relay, relay that to people. Um, you know, it's always keeping that that one ear open for listening because there's going to be that once to twice a year where a member just delivers an amazing suggestion and you implement it. We have had a lot of those. Absolutely. Um, But at the same token, it's always keeping like your eyes lasered in on your core principles, what's made you successful, what you can continue to grow off of and not slowly let too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you got to have help at all times, but you got to be the one as the gym owner. It's you, it's you and nobody else. You've got to be the one with the fortitude, with 
the one who has the confidence in the decision-making and is able to filter out, you know, what is an improvement for my business and what am I saying yes to because I'm too scared to say no. Right. Good point. So, um, I think that's a wrap guys. We're coming up on about 45 minutes here. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening to the first episode. Um, just to kind of summarize it again, we kind of talked a little bit about quality versus quantity, how as you grow, um, if you're doing it right, your quality should increase with your quantity. Um, we talked about why we don't have friends in the fitness industry and why I would encourage more people to not have friends in the fitness industry <laughs> if you want to grow your gym. Um, and then also hard decisions, kind of a bunch of bunch of different takes on that and what we've kind of had to deal with and what I think a lot of other gym owners can relate to as well. Um, so what should people do? Where should people go after this, Pritz? Well, um, we are giving away a $500 kind of training bag, um, bag of goodies. So, you know, a training bag, shoes, shirts, stuff from Dave's closet, um, all kinds of different <laughs> Ooh, stuff. They're so, not going to like that. Yeah. So in order to enter the contest, just go to www.perform-360.com slash the business of lifting weights. Um, and there'll be some real quick instructions on how to register. Um, definitely go there. Um, if you're listening on iTunes, make sure that you subscribe. Um, that is part of the contest, but also we just kind of would really appreciate if you guys help us spread the word with this. Um, let us know any suggestions for topics, uh, anything that you want to hear about. Um, yeah, comment on that page or shoot us an email or whatever. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Goodbye.